I'm pulling on my driveway. We all know what that means. It's time for another drive to work. Okay, so today I'm continuing on my uh, my podcast series about cards that have been banned or restricted that I had a hand in making. Uh, I hold the record, sadly, for the most uh, banned restricted cards. So today I'm trying to not, not all these some of these cards I. I some of these cards were, were 100% mine. Some of these I had a hand in. They were completely mine. So next up is a Hermit Druid from Stronghold. So one and a green. So two mana total for a 1-1 one, one human druid's creature. Green and tap. Reveal cards from the top of your library until you reveal a basic land card. Put that card into your hand and all other cards reveal this way into your graveyard. Now this seemed innocent enough, right? This was, oh, well, you get to go get a land. And rather than make, you know, we don't want to... A lot of times we we're looking for ways to help you get land that does make you shuffle your library. So this seemed pretty clean. Like, oh, we'll just go get the next one. Um, and and I think the reason we put them in the graveyard was just ease. It was just kind of, okay, well, where do you put them? Let's put them in the graveyard. Um, little did we know, the reason this card is on the banned restricted list is uh, if you have no land in your deck, or sorry, no basic land in your deck, then you will mill your whole deck into the graveyard, and there are decks that want to do that. So uh, that is how this card ended up being broken. We were just trying to make an innocent card that got you some land in a way that we thought was a little different to require shuffling. But uh, anyway, a lot of these cards, it's funny that a lot of these cards that end up being broken started from such innocent idea. Like, it, it, I mean, sometimes we, we set out to make a card that's a little dangerous, we know it's a little dangerous. A lot of these are not that. A lot of these are us just trying to do something we think is goofy and fun, and then it gets broken. So, Next, Humility. Two white-white. So four mana total, two of which is white, from Tempest. It's an enchantment. All creatures lose all abilities and have base power and toughness 1-1. One, one. Why I made this card, I, the flavor of this was I thought was pretty cool. It's just your... Everything's just being turned into a 1-1. One, one. Um, once again, I... I this was not made to be something that I thought would be powerful necessarily. More of just something that like, oh, well, you know, if I have more creatures than you do, then I'm more willing to just turn everything into a 1-1. One, one. And I thought like white was all about like equaling everything. So it, it felt very white to me. Um, this card, along with the card called Opalescence, uh, that turns enchantments into creatures, uh, was one of the most complicated two-card interactions we've ever had. Uh, and I made both of them, so uh, rules managers love me. Uh, anyway, uh, hypergenesis from Time Spiral. Sorcery. So it has no cost. You can't cost hypergenesis. Suspend so three, one green green. So rather than cast this card from your hand, pay one green green and exile it with three time counters on it. At the beginning of your upkeep, remove a time counter. When the last is removed, you may cast it without paying its mana cost. That's how suspend works. So starting with you, each player may put an artifact, creature, enchantment, or land card from their hand onto the battlefield. Repeat this process until no one puts a card onto the battlefield. So this was a cycle in Time Spiral of suspend-only cards. I think it was, it was a, I think it was a cycle in which there were cards in which you had to suspend them. You could not suspend them, uh, and all of them were just sort of redone versions of cards from the past. Um, and I think I think the idea of the cycle was mine, uh, and then we as a team sort of filled out what we wanted wanted it to be. Uh, so I'm not sure if I picked this effect specifically. I'm not 100 percent sure about that. Um, but I did. I think. I mean, I, I 
the team made the cycle, and I, I definitely, the idea of the cycle, I'm pretty sure, was mine. So I will take partial responsibility. Okay, next. In, invigorate. Two and a green from McKinney Masks. It's an instant. If you control a forest, rather than pay the spell's cost, you may have an opponent gain three life. Target creature gets plus four, plus four until end of turn. Okay, so I was the big advocate in Mercadian Masks of doing the alternate costs. I'd always like the pitch cards from from um, alliances, so I, I made a new cycle of pitch cards, and then that wasn't enough. Uh, every color had an alternate way to cast spells. Green was by giving the opponent life. And the idea here is, oh, I get to make my creature bigger, but I'm giving them more life. So um, the idea was plus four, plus four is, well, if I actually hit them with my creature, then they gain three life, but I managed to do only one damage because I've just given them life. But if I use it to make my creature bigger and save my creature, maybe for free I'm saving my creature, but I'm, you know, uh, giving you some life. So you're going up in life, but I've, I've won the creature battle. The reason this card is banned is another after, uh, something else that I've been a big advocate of, which is poison. Uh, so in the Infect deck, where I'm trying to do 10 damage to you, um, a card for free that lets me pump you plus four, plus four, and the downside is I give my opponent life. So basically in a deck that could care less than I'm giving my opponent life, it's essentially a free, better than Giant Growth. Giant Growth is only plus, plus three, plus three. So it's zero mana cost plus four plus four in a deck where I'm rushing to do 10 damage to you with my infect creatures. So like it's a card mwah, made to be infect. Um, now when we designed this card, this card was not problematic uh, really until infect came along. Infect is what got this card banned. Uh, I think it was okay. But anyway, um, there's a bunch of cards. There's a bunch of Mercadian mass cards that are alt cost things that uh, I had a big hand in. Okay, next, Jace the Mind Sculptor. Two blue, blue, legendary Planeswalker Jace, uh, loyalty three. So uh, it's from Worldwake. So it's got four abilities. Plus two, look at the top card of your target player's library. Uh, <coughs> sorry, excuse me. <coughs> uh, double sneeze. Okay, plus two, look at the top card of target player's library. You may put that card on the bottom of that player's library. Zero, draw three cards, then put two cards from your hand on top of your library in any order. Minus one, return target creature's owner's hand. Minus 12, exile all cards from target player's library, then player shuffles their hands into the library. Okay, so for starters, when we made the Planeswalker decks, um, one of the things that we, uh, I'm sorry, when we made Planeswalkers, we made the Planeswalker cards, one of the things that I asked for up front was we had made them so they had three abilities. Um, but I asked up front, uh, I said, you know what, someday we're going to want to do four. And I asked when we made the frame to make both a three and a four. So we had already made the format. We had made the four loyalty frames. It had been made. It was the thing we knew we were going to do. And we had been waiting a little bit to figure out where to use it. And finally, there's a story. Jace was in it. Jace is one of our main characters. People love Jace. We're like, you know what? Jace is going to be the first one to do a four loyalty ability. Um, I got everybody else on board. Um, the first ability, the plus two ability, is actually... Uh, what did I call it? I made a card in um, in Future Sight that did this... Uh, it, what was it called? The idea was it was negative scry, where instead of scrying for yourself, you're scrying your opponent's library. It had, it had a name. It was a named mechanic. 
Uh, so we thought it might be fun to do that here, uh, not named, obviously, but a, a, as an ability. Um, and then the draw three, put two cards back was just copying um, a, a spell people liked. Um, the minus one was um, unsummon. Uh, and then the, for the, um, the ultimate, we were just trying to come up with something pretty sexy. And the idea was, well, um, what if we mill your entire library uh, and then put your hand into your library? We thought that was pretty, pretty potent. Uh, so anyway, that is, that is Jace, Jace the Mindscope. So this card, obviously, for those who don't know, uh, might be the most powerful Planeswalker we've ever made. I mean, there's, there's some competition, but it, it's probably the winner. Uh, it is very, very strong. Um, I think at the time, we really were trying to, um, I, I think we knew Jace was very popular, so I think we juiced this a little bit. I think we overjuiced it. I think it's a little excess juiced. Um, but anyway, uh, Jace the Mindscope. Next is Kokusho, the Evening Star. Four black black, so six mana total, three witches black, two witches, sorry, two witches black. Six total, two witches black. This is a, uh, a five five legendary dragon spirit. It's a creature from Champions of Kamigawa. It has flying. When Kokusho, the Evening Star, dies, each opponent loses five life. You gain life equal to the life lost in this way. Okay, so the, I was not on the design team for Champions of Kamigawa, but I was on the development team. Uh, and originally, all of the dragons had activated abilities. Um, but the argument I made at the time was, hey, um, you know, you don't want to have a, you don't have to choose between attacking with a 5-5 or, um, you don't want to choose between attacking with a 5-5 or, um, using its ability. Uh, and so I made the proposal of what if we gave them death triggers? Because one of the things that's awesome about a giant dragon is that you want to attack with it. But at some point, someone's going to try to kill it because it's a giant 5-5 dragon. And so I thought it was kind of cool that sort of the punishment for killing it is you got a, a very good ability. And so um, I thought it was just a different way to do to do a dragon cycle. We, we, had done, um, I, we hadn't done that many dragon cycles. We'd done a few. Mirage did a dragon cycle, and then Invasion did a dragon cycle. Might be the third dragon cycle. We haven't done tons of dragon cycles. I know um, we uh, Faber Forge dragons are here to dragon dragon cycles. But anyway, um, the idea here was we wanted to do something that was very black, and we wanted to do it when it died. So the idea was you weren't crazy about killing them. That kind of one of the things that protected them a little bit is not that they wouldn't kill them because they had to, but it, it would do you know crazy things to them. And so this one drains them for five. Um, and so the idea is kind of nice is that you know when you get this thing out. Even if they kill it immediately, you still are going to drain them for five. So no matter what, you're still, you know, getting some hit on them, even if they're able to get rid of it immediately. And often, they can't get rid of it immediately. Okay, the next, Lingering Souls from Dark Ascension. So it's a sorcery that costs two and a white, so three mana total, one of which is white. Create two 1-1 one, one white spirit creature tokens with flying. And it's flashback, one and a black. So I think when we first made this, uh... What had happened was, Eric, I had made, I had designed, I did the, the design for um, Innistrad, Passive of Eric, who did the development, um, and Eric decided to take some of the flashback spells, and um, I think that's, yeah, right, he did enemy flashback costs, 
so that there was reasons to like, like um, the way the industry worked is the allied colors were tribally connected. They were monsters or, or humans. Um, and so there were reasons that you wanted to play the allied thing. And so he was trying to, in drafting, make reasons you might want to go to enemy colors. So he made a cycle of flashbacks that were pretty powerful that you could flashback for the enemy color. So we decided to continue doing that. Um, and the idea was, oh, well, white, white creatures with flying. Oh, well, black and white can both make flying creatures. Um, they're white because spirits are a white-blue thing. Um, and the, the card is primarily white. But the idea is if you're playing white-black, oh, well, then you can... Even, you know, even cheaper than the upfront cost, the flashback cost, is that you can get the spirits. The other thing that happened with this card is if you were playing a black deck and you had means and ways to discard things, sometimes you would play this so that you could discard it, use it as a discard um, cost, and then uh, for one, you know, for two mana, you get two one ones, which is, which is fine. Uh, most of the time, people play this in white and black. Sometimes they play it in mono-white. Uh, mono-black had to be a very specific deck that you could play it. Um, so most of the time, that wasn't true, but... Okay, Lion's Eye Diamond from Mirage. Uh, it's a zero-cost artifact. Discard your hand, sacrifice Lion's Eye Diamond, add three mana of any one color, activate this ability only any time you can cast an instant. Okay, so the card was actually, the, the card was designed by Charlie Catino, who loves making super bad cards. Uh, I made one suggestion. I said, you know, if you're going to make a bad Lotus, it should at least be a Lotus, let them sacrifice for three... Co- he, when he made it originally, it just, you sacrifice for three generic mana. Um, uh, three, sorry, three colorless mana. Um, so I suggested that you sacrifice one of any color, like a Lotus. I'm like, if you're going to make a bad Lotus, make it a Lotus. And this card ended up being broken, uh, partly because you can ta- you could get mana, colored mana out of it. So uh, my one little suggestion, I think, helped break it. So um, that's why I, I have it on my list. Uh, next, Living Wish from Judgment. One in a green, sorcery. You may choose a creature or land card you own from outside the game. Reveal that card and put it into your hand. Oh, right. Green did... Oh, and then you exile it. Uh, green did creature or land, because white did artifact or enchantments. Um, I think blue did instants, red did sorceries. And at the time, that was all the land types. Planeswalker would come along later, but it didn't exist at that time. Um... Right, I think the idea is what we wanted with the wishes to get everything. Green can fetch creatures and can fetch land. So it felt it felt apropos for green to do that. Lodestone Golem. Uh, this is an artifact creature uh, from World Wake. So it costs four for five, three Golem. Non-artifact spells cost one more to cast. So one of the things we were trying to do... Uh, uh, what are we trying to do in World Wake? Um, I... What, what is that? Is this card from World Wake? Is that right? Is this card really from World Wake? I feel like this card would be from an artifact block. Um, and the idea was this card is something to encourage you to play artifacts. Um, I'm not sure why in World Wake. Maybe, maybe it's for a constructed deck? Eh, I'm not sure. Um, anyway, the idea of this card really was just to say, oh, this is an artifact, wants to go to an artifact deck, and it just makes it harder for everybody. It's universal. It's not just that your opponent who has to spend more, everybody has to spend more. But if you put this in a deck that's primarily artifacts, then it doesn't matter. So, um, one of the things we try to do when we make something matters is sometimes you make it because it helps it, and some kind, it hurts everything but it. And this is, this is the latter, it hurts everything but it. Lotus Petal from Tempest. Uh, it's a zero-cost artifact. Tap, sacrifice Lotus Petal at one mana of any color. So this was me trying to make a fair Lotus, Black Lotus, 
Black Lotus, originally an alpha for cost zero, cost same cost, but you would sack it for three men of any color. And I'm like, wow, what if I just, it's just a petal of a lotus, and it's just it's for one. Well, it turns out just one, also pretty good. <laughs> this is how you can tell that some of the broken cards of the past are quite broken. I make a card that basically does one-third of what the original card does, still gets banned. So, anyway, I was trying. Uh, Magical Hacker. So this is from Unhinged. So one and a blue for a one-two human gamer. It's a creature. Uh, for blue, change the text of target spell or permanent by replacing all instant spell plus with minus and vice versa. Uh, this was a bit, this, I assume this was banned in um, Commander... I don't know what shenanigans... I mean, this is one of those cards when I make it, I, I like, yeah, shenanigans are going to happen. It's, it's a shenanigans kind of card. Like, what can you do when pluses become minuses and minuses become pluses? Crazy things. Um, and I think too crazy. I'm not sure what the exact combination that caused this card to get um, banned, but I, I can imagine it's a pretty crazy one. So, anyway, the Magical Hacker um, is banned. I almost, by the way, almost... He was almost a teenage... Um, uh, in this creature type, almost was teenage, teenage human gamer, um, because I've gotten a lot of requests over the years for teenage to be a creature type, so that you can uh, you can make so that changelings would be um, teenage mutant ninja turtles, but not the mutant ninja turtles. Uh, and at the time, I didn't do it because there was a ruling at the time of Unhinged that all the creature types in Silver Borders were actual real creature types, um, and so I was trying not to add too many more creature types to. Black Border, since it's the one, the one, at the time, the one thing that it, it, it actually mattered, and then we changed the rule that it didn't matter, and I could have done it, and I should have done it, but I didn't. Okay, next, Memory Jar. So Memory Jar is an artifact that costs five, it's from Earth's Legacy. Um, tap, Sacrifice Memory Jar. Each player exiles all cards from their hand face down and draws seven cards. At the beginning of the next end step, each player discards their hand, returns their hand, uh, each card they exile this way. So the idea originally when I made this card was you discarded your hand, you drew a hand equal to the size of the hand you had, and then um, you, after a turn, got back your original hand. So the idea was I have four cards, I get rid of that, I get four new cards, I have a turn sort of a cast of four cards, then I get back my original hand. Uh, in development, they decided that wasn't sexy enough. They changed it to seven so now I can have a zero hand, a hand of no cards, and for uh, five mana, I can draw a whole hand of new cards. Yes, it is true, I'll get it for a turn, but five mana for, and it, I think it's the, it the end of the next turn. Oh, the beginning of the next end step. So, I, so the idea is I sacrifice this, um, I wait till it's my opponent's turn, sacrifice it, I get all the cards. Now I have all of their turn and all of my turn to use the seven cards I've drawn. So anyway, this is a good example of a card that I made that I thought was fair when I made it and got made a little less fair. Now, a lot of cards I made were not fair when I made it. So, um, okay, next. Metalworker. So Metalworker is from Ursus Destiny. So I know I made this card because I was the only one that did Ursus Destiny. Uh, it's a one-two uh, construct. It's an artifact creature. Uh, tap, reveal any number of artifact cards in your hand, add two colorless mana for each card revealed in this way. Uh, this was another artifact enabler. So the idea was it allowed you to get uh, mana by having artifacts in your hand. Uh, in general, this card is broken because 
the ability to get, I mean, for example, if I play this card and then I have, let's say I have eight cards in my hand because I just drew my card for the turn. If all eight of them are artifacts, usually not all of them are artifacts, but let's say most of them are artifacts, that's 16 mana. That's a lot of mana. You can produce a crazy amount of mana. Uh, and so this card really allows you to do kind of nutty, dangerous things. Because a lot of times we make expensive artifacts. It's like, well, it's hard to play that artifact, so it'll be okay. You know, know when you allow when you make cards that can let you cast like 12 drops without a problem. Okay, Mind Over Matter from Exodus. It costs two, blue, 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 blue. So that's six mana total, four of which is blue. It's enchantment. Discard a card. You may tap or untap target artifact, creature, or land. Okay, so this was basically turned all cards in your hand into Twiddle, uh, but at no cost. So Twiddle is a card from Alpha that uh, could tap or untap any permanent, I think. I think we didn't want you messing with enchantments just because enchantments didn't matter. So we spelled the artifact creature land, the three things that matter if they're tapped. Um, so, uh, well, the, the, this, the major reason this was broken, it's broken for a bunch of things, but the major reason it was broken was it gave you access to mana. It turned cards into mana in a very efficient way. For example, let's say I had, um, I mean, at bare minimum, I discard cards to untap lands. Now, if my lands, you know, something like a Talarian Academy or, um, well, Talarian Academy didn't come at least till the next year, uh, or whatever, uh, a Mana Vault or a, this is something to tap for three. Um, it just allowed me to turn one card into a bunch of mana. Uh, and so it allowed me, and if you could use those mana to draw cards, uh, and you could do it at a rate where you're generating more mana per card than it costs to draw cards, you could go up in cards. That, that's usually what the problem where you get into trouble. Um, anyway, this is one of those cards that I, I think caused a lot more trouble than I intended when I made it. Um, but looking back, looking back, I should have kind of figured out that it's going to cause a lot of trouble. Um, but anyway, uh, it is a fun card. It just, it should have had mana on it, I think is the, the issue. The ability to do it without any mana is really where you start getting into trouble because it lets me generate. It lets me generate mana, and once you can generate mana, once you can turn one resource into another, especially something like cards into mana, uh, it, it causes some problems. Okay, next, Mox Lotus. This is from Unhinged. It's a costs fifteen generic mana. It's an artifact. You can tap to add infinity, so infinite colorless mana. And then 100, add one mana of any color. So, um, uh, this was made for... One of the things that I really wanted to do, I wanted to have an artifact that costs a lot of mana, and I love the idea of something that produced um, infinite mana. Um, now, the funny thing is, I think when we made this, um, it is possible we made this mana burn existed. Me meaning when this card got made, you had to win that turn because at the end of the phase, you were going to lose to mana burn, right, is the idea. That once I put infinite mana in my pool, I can't clear it now. Um, now, once we got rid of mana burn, this card got a bit better. Um, the other thing that I thought was very funny was we had joked about um, producing all sorts of colors, but usually when you add mana, you have to choose the color. And I'm like, oh, well, maybe you can choose whatever color you want. And then we came up with the idea of, well, what if there's an activation that made colored mana? So since you had infinite mana, 
for all intents and purposes, this let you get whatever colors you needed. Because the idea of the spell was, look, you're going to die if you can't win, but we'll give you infinite mana, was sort of the, the point of the card. Um, I also, the reason this is a, a silver board of cards, I wanted to make an, a generic infinite, because infinity isn't really a number, but it is in, in silver border. Uh, and then the idea of, since it was infinite mana and we wanted you to add colors, we just made it a real expensive activation cost, just for, just for kicks. So it's 100, but it doesn't matter, you have infinite mana. So the idea is when you tap this, you have infinite mana in your pool, you, because 100 doesn't mean anything, it's just, well, you can produce whatever colors you want. So the idea was, the card originally was, you can tap this, you produce whatever colors you want, but you'll die from mana burn at the end of the turn, so, or the end of the phase. Um, so if you're in your main phase, you have to win. Um, anyway, I thought that was cool. Uh, with mana burn went going away, the card became, uh, I mean, not that it wasn't powerful to begin with, but became kind of overpowerful. It's sort of like, I can cast anything for the rest of the game ever. Um, well, although, to be fair, yeah, mana clears, and it, you have to understand when you're going to tap it to cast up. But, anyway, banned in Commander uh, when Silver Border was available. I did it's kind of a nutty card. Okay, next. Once more with Feeling, another Silver Border card. So, white, 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 white. So, four mana, all of which is white. This was one glued. Sorcery. Exile all permanents and all cards from all graveyards. Each player shuffles their hand into the library, then draws seven cards. Each player's life total becomes ten. Um, exile once more with feeling. And then the DCI ruling, a deck can only have one card named once more with feeling. So it was sort of self-restricted. Um, so this is not, I mean, I, I referred to this before as being an, um, as being a sub-game. It's not technically a sub-game. Uh, you never come back from this game. Like, essentially, you just get rid of the game you're in and you start a new game. So it, it's sub-game-like in the sense that you stop the game you're in and play a different game. Uh, it is not technically a sub-game because you never come out of it. You just convert the game over to this game. Um, I will note that Once More the Feeling was the name of a Buffy episode, but uh, this got named before I believe that Buffy epi- episode existed. So while I, I would be willing to... It's one of my favorite episodes of all time of Buffy the Vampire Slayer. Uh, I would be willing to name a, set, uh, a card after it. Uh, this got named before that set got named. Next, Painter Servant. This is from Shadowmore. So Painter Servant is uh, cost two generic mana. It's a 1-3 artifact creature. It's a scarecrow. As Painter Servant enters the battlefield, choose a color. All cards that aren't on the battlefield, spells and permanents are the chosen color in addition to their other colors. So we made this card because Shadowmore had a color matters theme. Uh, and the idea was we thought it'd be fun for you to make things whatever color you wanted to make them. So we just, it just makes it just kind of makes everything you have into the, the color you care about. Uh, and then there's all sorts of shenanigans that can care about those colors. And so the reason it kind of affects everything is there's just cards that mat, that care in all the zones what the colors are. So we just sort of wanted to make a universal, okay, play this and your cards are all red now or whatever. Whatever color it is you cared about. Um, and Shad- Shadowmore had a, um, because it was a hybrid set, had a, had a color mattering theme because one of the things that's unique about hybrid is while you might be paying one color, the cards are still both colors from a, um, what color are they to care about colors? Um, okay, Panoptic Mirror from Darksteel. So this costs five, five generic mana. It's an artifact. It's got imprint X. Uh, so it's got imprint X and tap. You may exile an instant or sorcery card with chrono mana cost X from your hand. At the beginning of your upkeep, you may cast a card exiled by Panoptic Mirror. If you do, you may cast a copy without paying its mana cost. So one of the things that happened is in uh, Mirrodin, we had made um, imprint, 
like I, I mentioned this before uh, in a previous podcast, how um, I and um, Brian Tinsman each made a card that I thought was a cool card, and I realized they both sort of made you exile a card and then use that card as reference and realized there was a mechanic there. We made that an imprint, went into Mirrodin. Um, there was a card called Isochron Scepter that got made that was very popular, and I'd made a card uh, called Soul Foundry, which also copied creatures, and I really realized that copying things was a lot of fun, and I like copying things. So in World Wake, we made another copying card, uh, and the idea of this one was Soul Foundry copied um, creatures, this one copied spells. Um, but you had to spend next mana, so the idea was I couldn't get big spells on until, until later in the game. So if I had a uh, five-drop um, spell I wanted to repeat all the time, I need to get five mana first before I could put it on. Um, but anyway, this was just made. I, I, the reason I'm, I believe this is here is there's some pretty powerful spells you can put in it, and then uh, like time walk or not time walk. Time walk specifically you could put into Ice Crown Scepter. Ice Crown Scepter kind of did this, but only for cheap spells, and this was making it for bigger spells. Um, but anyway, this is here because I, I think there's some shen- there's a lot of shenanigans you can do when you can repeat the same thing and it, it can cause some problems. So, um. okay, next, Peregrine Drake. So Peregrine Drake costs four and a blue. It's from Urza Saga. It is flying. It's a two-three creature. It's a Drake. When Peregrine Drake enters the battlefield, untap up to five lands. So this is another of the free spells um, that I made for Urza Saga. Um, in general, the ones that tended to see the most play were things that you could just use. So Peregrine Drake was interesting in that um, having an evasive creature was something that a control deck kind of wanted. Um, and the idea that, once again, uh, the way this works is because you're untapping as many lands as you have, it tends to generate mana because at the time there were lands that could tap for more than one mana or... Um, like, for example, uh, this is Urza Saga, so you like Tolarian Academy. So Tolarian Academy could tap for a lot of mana. So the idea that I can untap it um, meant that I would go up and, you know, I could tap Tolarian Academy and four other lands, uh, you know, cast Peregrine Drake and have leftover mana, and then untap everything. So I get the... So, like, I, I tap my Tolarian Academy. I... Let's say I can produce more than five mana. I get the five mana to play this. I have extra mana in my pool now. I get to untap Tolarian Academy plus four other lands, um, it is pretty, pretty potent, so, um, the funny thing is, I know there are times when you would use your, um, Tolarian Academy to untap, and you didn't even have five lands, it's like, oh, I, I'll untap what I, because it says up to five lands, so, like, I, I don't even have five lands yet, but I get the Tolarian Academy, and I have enough artifact stuff out that my Tolarian Academy is going to be able to cast the Peregrine Drake all by itself, um, so anyway, I thought that was funny. Of, of my broken mechanics, the free spell, the free spells are probably the most broken. That's my guess. Okay, so we're, I'm almost at work, so I'm going to do the uh, finish up P in the tomorrow, uh, or sorry, in my next podcast. I will do, um, I will do other letters. Okay, so P, um, punishing fire from Zendikar. So one in a red. So it's two mana. One of which is red. It's an instant. Punishing Fire deals 2 damage to any target. Whenever an opponent gains life, you may pay red. If you do, return Punishing Fire from your graveyard to your hand. Uh, so the idea is it was a direct damage spell that was punishing the opponent for gaining life. Um, so the idea is I'm going to do damage to you, and then somehow you try to heal from it, it allows me to get it back. 
Um, I know there's some interaction. There's some ways, uh, for example, um, the invigorated before. There are some ways to grant your opponent life. Um, those ways aren't in red, though, so you have to combo this with uh, another color. Um, but I know some people that sort of like did things to give the opponent life, um, and, it, and they were able to get this back because the punishing fire. Um, you can get anything with punishing fire, but you tend to kill creatures and stuff with it. Since, um, but you also could use it on the opponent, and if they gain life, it just lets you sort of um, keep their life gain in check to a certain point. Okay, guys, uh, I am now at work, so we, we, how did we do? We did pretty good. Uh, so we made it up through P, so I'm assuming uh, our next podcast I will finish out. I hope you guys are enjoying my walk through my lengthy list of uh, banned restricted cards I had a hand in. But anyway, I'm now at work, so we all know that means. It means it's the end of my drive to work. So instead of talking magic, it's time for me to be making magic. I'll see you guys next time.